0: Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsradio.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies 1500 AM and 1039 FM HD2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. interfacing complete, please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now, here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ.
1: Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. Well, as always, lots of exciting stuff going on in technology you realize that people have stopped naming their babies Alexa? <laughs> I,
0: I,
2: yeah, probably a good idea.
1: Microsoft has decided to finally replace the Surface Pro 4 tablets that had the flickering screen. Uh-huh. After delaying, delaying, and delaying and making excuses, they're finally just going to replace them all. Apple is now going to try to find a way... To close the cracking method that the FBI uses to get into cell phones when they don't have the uh, when they don't have the access code, mm-hmm. so Apple is you know continuing their uh, their feud with uh, government security operators, and of course this week we're going to feature uh, Michelle Baker. She is the uh, well, it's actually Winifred Michelle Baker. She's the driving force and chairperson of Mozilla Foundation, the organization responsible for Mozilla Firefox browser. And she has got an interesting story in open source software. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. Oh, yeah. We got an email from Stu in Kilmarnock, Virginia. Dear Tech Talk, I have to send a fax to a business associate in California. Now, they are firmly grounded in the last century. They only want a fax. They don't do email with PDF attachments. I don't have a fax machine at my house. Now, my printer will create a PDF file and save it to my computer. Is there any way that I can send this PDF file as a fax without having to print it out on paper, go down to some local store, and use their fax machine to send it? Love the show, Stu and Kilmarnock. Well, Stu, you are in luck. There are a few free fax services that are ad-supported that will allow you to send a file as a fax. I'll just—I mean, there are like five or six. I'll give you two of my favorites, and uh, you know these—these. These, I've actually used the use these to, to fax things to my lawyer and my real estate agent because these guys are like fax-centric. You try to send them an email with a the PDF, they don't know what you're talking about, but they'll give you the fax number. <laughs> the first one is GetFreeFax.com. No, Got gotfreefax.com you just go at, go to that website gotfreefax.com enter your information like the sender enter the recipient's information the fax number then you upload your pdf file or your or your word document file and the, and then you uh, or you can paste text into a rich text box if you just have you can just do cut and paste and paste it in and then you just simply hit send and it will convert it to a fax format, and it will fax it to that phone number. Now, the only limitation is that your fax cannot be more than three pages, and you can only do two faxes per day. But for the casual user, that's just plenty good. Now, if you want to pay a little bit of money, you know, like a $1.99, you can eliminate the ads because the cover sheet has ads on it, and then you can send more faxes per day or longer faxes. But gotfreefax.com is what I use when i got to just make a quick fax to my attorney or to my real estate agent. Now, the second one that that is not bad is Fax Zero. Fax Zero. It's a free service. It's essentially an online email where you can type in the sender, the recipient, the text message into a text box, or you can attach a document, and you send it, and it will just send your email to a fax machine. And it's the same thing. There are ads on the cover page. You're allowed three pages plus the cover. This one allows you to do five free faxes a day, which isn't too bad. For $1.99, you can send up to 15 pages per document without any ads on the cover sheet. So, Stu, you do have two good options, gotfreefax.com and fax zero, and you can send your faxes right from the comfort of your own home. We got an email from Kim in Arlington. Dear... Tech talk, I'm doing some research and need to record my phone calls using my iPhone. This is a short term project and I don't want to spend a lot of money on fancy hardware. Is there a simple app on the iPhone for recording incoming outgoing phone calls? Love to show Kim in Arlington. Well, Kim, there's no direct way to do this that's built into the iOS operating system of the iPhone. But there's some easy software options. There is a program called Tape a Call. That's that's a pretty clear name. a call, a yeah. call is by far the most popular on the iOS. It's an app. It's an iOS app. The uh, the lite version has got four point five stars out of five with over four thousand reviews. So probably those are real because with four thousand reviews, they're probably not all fake. And then the, uh, the pro version is 4.6 over 5, and it has over 8,000 reviews. And the app is simple to use. The interface is really easy to record both incoming and outgoing calls. It's, and it's then when you record the call, you can export the call to an SMS, to a text message, to Dropbox, to Evernote, or to more. Tape a call light is free. You can try it for one week, and then it costs. It's only free for one week, and then it costs 2 to $5 a month. Two Type to five
2: of, dollars. What are they?
1: Two to drawing five out of a hat. I don't know why it's two <laughs> to five dollars a month. Actually, it, it doesn't. Mean, why wouldn't it
2: just be like $2.5? I don't know. Two no. point five dollars. Otherwise, two yeah, dollars fifty cents. Two, two to five dollars.
1: <laughs> two to five dollars uh, a month. Maybe that depends on volume. How many calls? That's I guess. a good.
2: That's a good guess. Tape
1: a call Pro is ten ninety nine for a year with additional in app purchases to unlock more features. So now. That is actually a pretty good option if you if you want to record the calls. Now, if you really want a super cheap option and don't want to pay anything, is what you can do: put your call on speakerphone and then use a device like a Mac or an iPad to record it. So just turn on the recorder, put your call on speakerphone, and just let another device record it. You know, if you're just going to do one or two calls, that that works fine. But you but you'll pick up a background noise in in the room. And also, the the call will sound a little different to the person you're talking to, and they'll realize that you're on speakerphone, and it may affect the conversation.
2: Okay, so here's something. When you record a phone call, in some states, you have to let people know that you're recording a phone call.
1: In some states, you must tell them that you're recording the phone call. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, People have gotten
2: themselves in lots of trouble doing that. So,
1: Kim, check the law to make certain that you are... Allowed to do this, but just to be safe, tell them you're recording it and you'll be covered in any case. We got an email from Catherine in Alexandria. Dear Tech Doc, I use an Exchange email server at work. Now, in order to access my email at home, I'm required to use a VPN with Outlook, and it just is so complicated. And I'm always not on my laptop with a VPN. Sometimes I'm at a desktop at somebody else's house sometimes at the library, and I'd like to check my email. Is there an easy way to access my email, particularly when I'm traveling? Love the show, Catherine in Alexandria. Well, Catherine, you're in luck. The Exchange server has a web interface, and you can can reach it just through a browser. Let's suppose that the domain name of your company is domain.com. Then in all likelihood, the web interface for the Exchange server would be mail... Dot .domain.com that's usually their standard format so just go to the web address mail.domain.com where domain.com is the name of your domain name of your company then you simply use the browser and and the and the login screen will show up just put in your credentials log in and boom you're set now the funny thing is the 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 uh, the uh, interface the web interface does not work very well with internet explorer <laughs> It doesn't display very well, and you have to go in and make some changes to the baseline configuration to have it work on Internet Explorer. But it works great with Chrome, with Firefox, and with Edge. So whenever I use the web interface, I always use Chrome. And uh, and and the reason I always use the web interface is that when I go through the VPN with Outlook, Outlook I think is just a it's just it's got so many features it's just slow. But when I use the web interface, it's snappy. So I use the web interface a lot, and uh, and I don't have to do all that VPN stuff. That was a good email, Catherine. Hope best of luck getting to your web interface for your Exchange server. We got an email from John in Richmond. Dear Doc and Jim, I get a message that shows hard disk failure is imminent. Please back up your hard disk and have it replaced. That's pretty extreme. Yeah, really. Looks like something is about ready to happen. So... I set up the – I, I immediately started backing up the system, but halfway through the backup, it stopped. Some of the files are encrypted and some are not. I copied the files which were not encrypted to my external hard drive. But the remaining files which were encrypted, I was not able to copy or open. Please give me an idea how to recover my files. Enjoy, recover my files. Enjoy the show, John in Richmond. John, you've got a problem. You're, you know, you were warned that your hard drive was about to fail and then it did fail and you you really don't have a complete backup. Now, it depends what the failure is. If the failure is due to magnetic medium, something on the magnetic medium is damaged, SpinRite could work. And I have actually recovered hard drives using SpinGuide. SpinRite is a program by Gibson Research. You can go to grc.com and you can download SpinRite. It's like, I think it's $49. You have to be able to boot from the Spinrite CD image because, obviously, your computer won't boot. And so once you boot up on the Spinrite CD image, it will start doing a deep-level scan of your hard drive, and it will try to recover the data from the system. And I have actually recovered data from a hard drive where the magnetic medium was damaged, and it just worked beautifully, but it's slow it's very slow. It could take all night to scan your mm. hard drive. There's no guarantee you'll recover your data, but that's what I would try first. That assumes that it's caused by magnetic medium failure, like a scratch or, or something, or a or blemish on the magnetic medium at a, at a key part of your hard drive. Now, if it's caused by electronics on your hard drive, this is not going to work. So your next option, if the data is really important, your next option is go to recovery service. These recovery services, if it's if it ha, if it is the electronics, they'll actually take the magnetic disk out, they'll put it into another item and they'll they'll use it they, they actually they actually are quite good at recovering your data, but you pay for it. You're going to it's several hundred dollars starting. Wow and they'll and they'll and typically they'll they'll then give you back a hard drive with your data on it, so if this is really valuable data, you could go to Recovery service, and these guys are pretty good, and they will recover you know as much as they can, so I've never used a recovery service because I've always been able to recover the data from my hard drive I and mean, i've i've had a few hard drive failures that's why that's why, I back up, that's why i back up so much that's mm-hmm. why i back up all over the place because it's not it's not fun to go in there and and get data off off of a hard drive that's failed now hard drives fail all the time so you got to be prepared and keep and keep them backed up you know if you if you have backed up your data you wouldn't have had this problem that's why I've got a mirror backup running at all times on my laptop. I'm backing up to carbonite. I'm backing up to other things. So like that one time when my wife drove off with my laptop on the top of the <laughs> car and it got run over.
2: <laughs> now you've revealed the identity publicly of the oh, person oh, involved. That oh, was not oh, public oh, information. Oh, that's right. Oh, someone, someone. <laughs> it's a little late now. Too,
1: yeah, I drove off and, and then denied doing it. Uh, but... Uh, I when that happened, uh, I was able – I, I mean, the hard – my computer was completely run over. And there was nothing there. But because I had such thorough backups done incrementally all the time, I recovered all the data. I bought a new computer, hooked it up to my backups, and I was up and running. It, it took, took a couple hours to download all this stuff. But I, but I was up and running in in a morning with without having lost anything. So the key is backup. So – Try spin right. If that doesn't work, go to a data recovery service. Best of luck. That is a tough problem. Yeah, John. it is. We got an email from June in Fairfax. Dear Doc and Jim, I'm having trouble with my Windows update feature. What do you suggest? I mean, it just sits there and churns and never and never gives me the update. Hmm. I just got my new computer and and I'm already having this problem. Love the show, June in Fairfax. Well, June there. Uh, Quite a few people have an update or having update problems on their with their Windows machines, and so uh, Microsoft has, has created an update troubleshooter. <laughs> it's an update troubleshooter, which so that way you don't have to go to the help desk. So you can you can go to the update troubleshooter. It's designed for Windows 7, Windows 8.1, and Windows 10. So if you if you got Windows 8, you've got to upgrade to Windows 8.1 in order for this to work. Seven, eight point one, and ten. And it will guide you through the steps to fix problems with your updates, such as taking too long to scan, error codes while installing. And this step-by-step guide will walk you through all the issues. It's really quite good and quite thorough. So what you want to do, you go to the Windows Update Troubleshooter, you download it, then you select Save uh, in a folder, then go to the folder, and then you double-click on the folder and it'll be... You're going to double-click on DIAGCAB file to run the troubleshooter. And then next, you're going to follow the steps in the wizard to fix the problem. So you can, you can actually probably just Google Microsoft Update Troubleshooter, and then I'll have a link here, which is kind of complicated, which I'll post to the website on Monday. Best of luck, June, with your updates. I think you'll get this fixed because Microsoft has a pretty good tool for you. We got an email from uh, Lily in Fairfax. Dear Tech Talk, I think that my Facebook account has been hacked.
2: Uh
1: Uh-oh. Ooh, Lily. Well, Lily, uh, Facebook has a lot of people who have their Facebook accounts hacked. Usually it's because of weak passwords. So there's a Facebook hacked account page. It's basically facebook.com slash hacked. Uh, or if you just type Facebook hacked account page, Google will take you right there. Click on the link that says My account is compromised. Enter your password and follow the instructions. Once your account has been reinstated and is back under your control, reset your password from account settings. They'll go through a few questions to verify that the account is yours. They also might ask, you know, that you know, if you've got two-factor authentication, any data that you've put in to, to verify your your identity. They're they're going to ask you because they're not just let anybody anybody get get the account. And once you've proven that you are who you are, you can uh, they're, they're, you'll get back control of your account. Now, the one thing you don't want to do is if somebody's stolen your account, you don't want to just create another Facebook account with the same email account email address. That will just delete your. You'll never be able to get your old account. I, somebody I know somebody who did that and they, they couldn't get back their old account. So don't create a new account. You want to work to get your old account back. Uh, by the way, you know they some questions in here. If you put in trusted friends, um, that's very useful because if if in your account when you when you go to the security section, there's something called trusted friends, and if your account is hacked. Your trusted friends can be used to verify that you are who you are. Interesting. It's it, and that's probably the quickest way to do that. But if you don't have any trusted friends, you'll have to do some other some other things, but trusted friends is the quickest way to do it because what what you'll do is you know, they'll they'll talk to these people and they'll say, "Yep, that's then and they'll and they'll verify your identity." So, well.
2: If you don't have any trusted friends, you're doing something wrong. You
1: are. You're in 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 trouble. So once you get that so once you get your account back, you want to, of course, change the password. Then you want to look on all the apps, and you want to look under the apps that you use. Make certain they haven't installed any apps. You want to edit the settings. You want to delete any suspicious apps that may have been used to compromise your account. You want to notify your friends that your account was hacked so they could ignore anything that was sent to them. And if your password is the same on other accounts, change those passwords immediately. Lily, best of luck getting back your Facebook account. Indeed. I know that's really when, especially if you have self-itis.
2: It's a, it's it a could tough be, moment.
1: It could be a tough moment for you. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you at the next show, or we might email you immediately if it's an emergency.
2: It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio on 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2 and 1039 FM HD 2.
0: If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech
2: Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment.
0: Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for career-focused IT degree programs on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in today's most sought-after IT fields with accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster with demand at record high levels for cybersecurity, digital forensics and networking telecommunications careers now is the time to act stratford makes it easy turning your qualified experience into credits earned and if you're a vet they'll help you maximize your military benefits get complete details and register today at stratford.edu slash 18it that's stratford.edu slash 18it
1: She didn't really like the name Winifred, so she goes it, by Michelle Baker.
2: Is it Michelle or Mitchell?
1: Mitchell. I don't know. She's a woman. Would you call her Mitchell? It's spelled Mitchell. It's spelled Mitchell, but I can't believe that she would be called Mitchell.
2: Let me go. Let me do a little internet you do diving. Little, so here. I'm,
1: call, I, I'm making an executive decision calling her Michelle. Okay. But you can check. Me. I will
2: check right now
1: because she she definitely did not like Winifred, so so maybe she's so Michelle Baker or it could be Mitchell Baker, but I'm thinking it's Michelle. she's the driving force behind and the chairperson for Mozilla Foundation. This is the organization that is responsible for the open source Mozilla Firefox browser. Michelle was born nineteen fifty seven in Oakland, California. She received a bachelor's degree in Asian Studies from u c Berkeley in Seventy nine and a J.D. from the Bolt Hall School of Law in 1987. In January 1990 until October 1993, she worked as a corporate and intellectual property associate at Fenwick and West LLP. In November of 1993, she was hired by Sun as an associate general counsel. In 94 Baker was hired as one of the first employees of the legal department of Netscape Communications. Of course, this was the Netscape was the browser company that was going to compete with Microsoft and we had the great browser wars between Internet Explorer and Netscape. Netscape wrote an operating system which they which supported the browser and that operating system they felt could ultimately be expanded to replace Windows. So Microsoft viewed Netscape as an, as an existential threat, and they decided to go after them with both barrels. While she was at Netscape, she wrote the Netscape public license policy and the Mozilla Mo- public license policy. The name Mozilla came from a combination of Mosaic Killer and Godzilla, you see, Mosaic Killer. That was the first browser. That was the first browser that that actually had been uh, that actually had been written there. And, uh, and Mosaic was a browser that was developed by the guys at uh, uh, by some graduate students there at University of Illinois, and that that was one of the first browsers on the market. And uh, and so they wanted to kill Mosaic with Godzilla. You know, I never realized that until, until today. Mozilla is a combination of Mosaic Killer and Godzilla. It's a good, good name. Mozilla takes the form of a green and purple cartoon lizard. <laughs> In February of 1999, Baker became general manager of Mozilla. And you know what she called herself? The Chief Lizard Wrangler.
2: That's a great name.
1: The Chief Lizard Wrangler, uh, you know. Instead of CEO, she's the Chief Lizard Wrangler. Because, of course, we got this purple and green lizard, which is the combination of the Mosaic Killer and Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> so the Netscape division coordinated with Mozilla to make uh, some of the code open source. Their goal was to make some of their code like Netscape, for instance, they invented J- uh, JavaScript, which, which actually made the the web browser much more uh, responsive. And so they, they wanted to make uh, op- they wanted to release some of this code to open source because they were in an open war with Microsoft, and they wanted to put Internet Explorer out of business. Now, ultimately, Netscape did not make it as a business, and Microsoft won. and, and as Netscape was going down the tubes and turning it into an open source project it was uh, it was basically purchased by AOL. And AOL was going to try to make it into their corporate browser. So they worked with it for a while, but it never really gelled within, within AOL. And ultimately, AOL decided to, to spin it off. Now, in 2001, after AOL purchased Netscape, uh, Michelle Baker was fired by AOL after they purchased Netscape because they, they had enough legal counsels. But she continued to serve as a volunteer on the Mozilla organization, mozilla.org, which was running the open-source component of Mozilla. And she still called herself the Chief Lizard Wrangler, but she worked as a volunteer. In November of 2002, Baker was employed by the Open Source Applications Foundation to help guide the group's community lessons. She was instrumental in the creation of the Mozilla Foundation, an independent nonprofit that was launched in 2003 when AOL shut down Netscape. And she returned full-time to Mozilla in January of 2005. So this whole purchase of Netscape, which AOL did to compete with Microsoft, ended up being a failed experiment. So they ended up releasing it to the open source community. And it's remained there ever since. Baker became president of the Mozilla Foundation. Was appointed to the board when Mozilla Corporation was launched as a taxable subsidiary of the Mozilla Foundation. She was named CEO of the new entity. She joined the Mozilla Corporation's board of directors and kept her seat on the foundation board as well. 2005 included her in the annual list of a hundred of most influential people in the world. In January of 2008, Baker, while retaining her role as chairperson of Mozilla, stepped down as CEO of the Mozilla Corporation. The reason cited for this change was Mozilla's rapid growth which made it difficult for, ex- for executives to continue to, remarry- to wear many hats. I think they wanted to get somebody who was more technical in as CEO of Mozilla because she's more of a legal background mm-hmm. rather than a technical background. In the future, Baker will focus on vision and messaging of the Mozilla project. She's married uh, and has one son. These are her hobbies. She's a skilled trapeze artist. Whoa. <laughs> she's flying two or three times a week. Who would ever have thought that? I don't know. Well, you know, she is the chief, what, what, what is her title? Chief
2: Lizard Wrangler.
1: Chief Lizard Wrangler. She's <laughs> She's a trapeze artist. She also speaks conventional Mandarin Chinese. She won the 2009 Anita Borg Women of Vision Award in leadership. In 2012, she was inducted into the Internet Hall of Fame by the Internet Society. That's a really big honor. In 2016, she received a total of around $1.1 million in compensation from Mozilla. That's not bad for, you know, for getting paid from a nonprofit corporation. This is what her personal blog is. It's kind of fun to read her blog. It's dot. Blog lizardwrangler.com
2: Interesting. Okay, so I found this on a website called womenintech.com. Okay. A question, how did you get your name? So, paraphrasing, basically she was her father was raised by his stepfather whose name was his last name was Mitchell and they wanted to honor him with this child that they didn't know the sex of. Uh-huh. So they were going to name the child Mitchell Baker. Mom says, "What if it's a girl? We need to have a a a uh, you know, Uh, a woman's name ready. So they pick Winifred. So Uh they get a girl, Winifred Mitchell Baker. Uh And now she's filling out a resume some years later when she's in, in, in college. And her words were, my mom was eccentric. She was exceedingly eccentric. So she comes to her daughter and she says, I don't like Winifred as your name, and I hope you don't use it. I would rather you use the name W. Mitchell Baker instead. So it sounds like she actually pronounces it Mitchell I find that having a name that's unusual, that when I meet people, it's not—it's it, it, difficult. English speakers, in particular, Mitchell is a man's name, and there I am, and they really don't believe it or understand it. It doesn't sound like Michelle, because they know it's my name. It's Mitchell. So it's apparently Mitchell.
1: she it calls herself Mitchell. Mitchell. Isn't wow. that crazy? That is interesting. What a
0: story. It is. So, that so there is you go. Many.
1: Everything you want to know about Winifred Mitchell Baker.
2: There you go. Hope you're paying attention because we're going to give you your chance to win free food by displaying your knowledge. Coming up in the Pop Quiz here on Tech Talk Radio, Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM 2. Stand by. Be right back. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio presented by Stratford University coming up in a moment.
0: Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for career-focused IT degree programs on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in today's most sought-after IT fields with accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster with demand at record high levels for cybersecurity, digital forensics and networking telecommunications careers now is the time to act stratford makes it easy turning your qualified experience into credits earned and if you're a vet they'll help you maximize your military benefits get complete details and register today at stratford.edu slash 18it that's stratford.edu slash 18it
3: Featuring Mr. Big Voice, with musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band, and your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please be seated. They are please, behaving today please, and please sitting sitting
1: down and oh, folding that's their legs. much, much better. This, of course, is not simply radio, so this is a no. classroom of the airwaves, and we are going to do a mid Program assessment to see whether you have been listening to the show. Earlier in the show, we talked, of course, about Winifred Mitchell Baker. And now she actually goes by Mitchell, Mitchell. Baker because she doesn't like the name Winifred. And her
2: mother didn't like the name. Her, her mother changed her name. Her mother didn't like the name yes. Winifred. Oh, I see. And he, her mother gave her the name. I know does that this make any sense.
1: Doesn't make any sense at all. It's not Michelle. It's Mitchell. It's Mitchell. That's right. Now, she is general she is general manager of the Moxella.org. And as general manager, she didn't call herself general manager. She had another name. What was this other name that uh, she called herself? All right. Instead of know general the manager. If to answer today's
3: question, we invite you to pick up your phone and dial us now. If you're calling from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. If you're calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If you're wrangling lizards in Canada, call us on the wildcard line, 877-936-9333. And if you're fleeing federal prosecution abroad, you can call us on the international line, 877 936
1: Well, welcome back to... Uh... To our radio show, and let's talk about a few topics that are of interest to me. People <laughs> have stopped you have stopped naming their babies Alexa.
2: You Probably see, a good idea.
1: Amazon's AI personal assistant Alexa was first introduced with the release of Amazon Echo in 2015. Since then, the popularity of the name has dramatically decreased in the United States, according to U.S. data provided by the U.S. government. Fewer Americans are naming their baby Alexa since first release, since the first release of Amazon Echo. The government keeps track of popular baby names, and it shows that the girl's name Alexa peaked in 2015. In 2015, before the Echo was released, very popular name. But it dropped off dramatically after the release of the device.
2: wonder why that is.
1: So how would you like to have your name Alexa? So anybody who talks to you it turns on every Alexa in the place. Not good. It's not good. So, you know, how are the people who were named who named their daughter Alexa just before Amazon came out feel now? Well, they're they're not really happy and, you know, Amazon didn't really think about that.
2: No, and then you know, imagine if you have the name Alexa, it's annoying, but then you start getting a complex. And, uh, you have because you have to know anything Everything. Everything. Alexa, how do I get to Florida?
1: That's right. Alexa, what time is it? Yeah. Alexa, would
2: you open the garage
1: door? That's what <laughs> I do with my
2: Alexa. You open the garage door.
1: Yeah, Alexa opens the garage door for me. Mm-hmm. It um, makes it very convenient. Yes. It's very, very convenient. So that is that is a problem. Now, if you have somebody in your house named Alexa, you can change the call word to Amazon. Ah, Amazon but but Amazon just but doesn't only, sound good
2: but you can only use Amazon you can't change it to an, another no. custom name
1: only Amazon it's either Alexa or Amazon actually if they'd allow a custom name that would be pretty nifty it wouldn't
2: would it would be yes then you he, could actually it would hey be pretty, Viceroy that's right open the garage
1: and then people could not come into your house and then use your Alexa because they, they wouldn't know the code word why that, didn't
2: they why didn't they think of this
1: I think you've got a great idea. Would you? Would you? Give, Let's get uh, Bezos on the you phone. Give, yeah. Give, Once you send Bezos an, an email, See, we know right he gets back. Back, to, back to them. Yeah, we know. We know he does. If, if, the, if
2: the, I can't this, believe we're the first people that had this idea.
1: I can't either. But it is. It is a good idea. Now Microsoft is going to replace finally all the Surface Pro four tablets that had flickering. So there were these uh, devices. Not all of them flickered, but a good number of them would be flickering. And so it would just just flicker. It would bother people. And it was well documented in Microsoft's support forum. Some users took dramatic steps to stop the flicker. They put their Surface Pro 4 in the freezer, and that would temporarily fix the problem. Now, some customers actually got so fed up with it, they paid for a screen replacement to stop the flickering. Now, Microsoft, you know, was saying it's it's. It's not really a problem. It's and so they said we're going to issue a software update. We'll fix. We'll, we'll fix it. And so they were reluctant to do anything about it. But finally, finally, after receiving enough complaints, they are offering a full refund to replace the screen. Now, this even if you're past your three-year coverage period. Now. The three-year coverage does not extend to other problems that you may be having, only to the screen issue. Now, the other problem is the replacement devices are not new. They're refurbished.
2: Ah.
1: Refurbished. And so, uh, you know, the, the the scandal called Flickergate, have you heard of Flickergate?
2: I have not, not until today.
1: You yeah, the Flickergate, it... it 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 basically created a huge uh, outpouring of complaints and consumer reports, and really showed Microsoft devices with a poor showing for reliability. Now, most of Microsoft Microsoft devices work really well, but but this Surface Pro had a problem, and I don't think they really ever figured out. It was probably a production problem that only affected some devices. And they they just have to replace the screen. Mm -hmm. I'm glad Microsoft Microsoft finally stepped up to the plate and took care of the problem.
2: It is Saturday morning, and you are listening to Tech Talk Radio. This is Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, and 1039 FM HD 2. Find us on the web at techtalkonline.com. Learn more about our sponsor, Stratford University, by going to stratford.edu.
0: Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for career-focused IT degree programs on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in today's most sought-after IT fields with accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster with demand at record high levels for cybersecurity, digital forensics and networking telecommunications careers now is the time to act stratford makes it easy turning your qualified experience into credits earned and if you're a vet they'll help you maximize your military benefits get complete details and register today at stratford.edu slash 18it that's stratford.edu slash 18it If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. You know, I had an interesting conversation with some of the guys in India, some of mm-hmm. the students. I, had, I was there at a, for graduation, and I had uh, you know a town hall with students, and they, and they had this question. They wanted to get more experience, you know, writing code, installing servers. They said, well, how can we get experience without a job? Because the job requires experience. It's like the chicken and egg. And and I was explaining to them that no one said that the experience had to be paid. So I said, when we hire people in technology, I look at kind of what kind of lab they have at home. So I would suggest they get a computer at home, download, say, Linux operating system. They might be able to set up a, um, you know, a couple of virtual machines on their laptop where they have Windows as one virtual machine and it could have Linux as another. So they would learn how to set up a virtual machine. Once they set up Linux, they could set up an Apache web server. They could, make, they could, do, they, 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 they could do an Apache web server. They might decide they want to do, do a database project, download MySQL, and they could write a small application with MySQL, and they could actually create a, uh, a database server uh, for MySQL on the Apache web server. It doesn't matter what the project is. What employers want to see is that you're doing a project. Or they could take a they could take a a, a a computer and they could set up a firewall at home, and so they could they, they could play around with with that. So they could either do some kind of application. They could create a web page. They could create a database driven web page. That's really how I learned. Uh, that's really how I learned web technology. I just created a database driven web page and I learned it. When I wanted to learn databases, I I didn't necessarily take a class. I just wrote the first student information system at Stratford and uh, was you know hundred thousand lines of code. I just taught myself how to do it. Mm-hmm. So you just start it you just start on a project and start working on it. And the other thing I gave them advice is join some user groups. Whatever you're interested in, whether it's operating systems, hardware, software, application development, databases, there are user groups relating to that. Go and start attending user group meetings, pick a project, and when you go to the user group meeting, talk about your project. Don't don't talk about getting a job. Talk about your project. Project enthusiasm for the project. Act like you're already a professional in the field. And I'm telling you, if you do this, this whole experience thing just goes away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I've got students doing that both in the U.S. and in India. You know, iPhone is moving to block... The methods that law enforcement has been using to crack into these captured really? iPhones, yeah, you remember the whole San Bernardino shooting in 2015? Yeah, right. The, I, the, I, the FBI sued Apple to, to break into the phone, and then they stopped the lawsuit because actually they hacked it themselves. Actually, they they paid somebody twenty five thousand dollars to hack it, and they and they basically hack it by going in through the uh, the, the the charging port in the bottom of the phone. And so Apple is coming – the new Apple software is making it much more difficult for law enforcement agencies to access iPhone uh, uh, locked iPhones because they have a new security feature that disables the iPhone's charging port if the user has not logged into the device for seven days. Wow. So that means – because before, if you were had not logged had not logged into the phone, you could still access the phone through that charging port, and so now the charging port's disabled if you haven't logged onto the phone for seven days. This means that they would not be able to use their favorite code-breaking software, GrayKey, which is used to access locked iPhones. That's how they got into the San Bernardino phone with that GrayKey software. They, they had to pay a guy $25,000 to tell them that, but... They're trying to close down that, uh, that loophole so that they cannot be hacked if, ap- after the, they've been around for seven days. According to cybersecurity blog Elcomsoft, authorities use software called GrayKey to decipher the passcodes of seized iPhones. They, the process involves connecting the iPhone to a USB stick or, um, or computer to use the code-breaking software. However, the new version of iOS 11 will put a time limit of just one week when this process could be carried out. Apple is moving for tighter and tighter security in its battle with law enforcement agencies. This is not going to make the FBI very happy. Nope. Not at all. You know, the, the rage now are 4K TVs. You know, 4K, you know, you got yeah. the, you got the and, 1K, and, it's called Ultra HD.
2: And this is something. That I'm sure you're willing to do all kinds of research on.
1: Yes. I certainly am. <laughs> I certainly am. So they call it Ultra HD. So the, the HD has, a thousand, has, has 1080 horizontal lines. So that's 1,000 lines vertical. That's why it's called 1K TV. So they've increased the number of vertical lines by a factor of four to give you 4,000 lines, horizontal lines vertically. So that's a 4K TV, and that's called Ultra HD and now there's more and more content coming out on Ultra HD. Now, if, now like if your regular cable shows are all just regular HD, but you can, you can get Netflix or Amazon Prime, and they have series now that are all in Ultra HD. So mm-hmm. I'd say within the next uh, few years, almost all the movies will be Ultra HD. It may be a while for over-the-air broadcast, and cable to get up to Ultra HD because it takes so much more bandwidth. But uh, certainly movies will be Ultra HD. So there are four features when you get a 4K TV that you want to look for. First of all, you want to get high dynamic range, HDR. This is a feature that's very important. It's really a new innovation.
2: This is something that's on the cell phone camera too, right? On the iPhone camera?
1: They do. That's when you're taking a picture, they've got HDR. That's right. So what HDR, it gives you more grades of color in each pixel so you have a wider range of colors and a wider range of brightness levels so this gives you even a better picture than just you'd see with just the 4k alone and depending on how far you sit away from the tv upgrading to 4k may not change much but with hdr it fundamentally changes how the picture looks so make certain that you've got support for hdr so some of the older tvs that go on sale may not have hdr so look for that and there's a, an HDR standard, HDR10, it's free, so they don't, there are no licensing fees. Almost every TV supports it. You don't have to get anything beyond HDR10, but make sure, sure that it has it. Now, most people cannot afford an organic LED. The organic LEDs are actually, they actually light up directly, and uh, they've got tremendous dynamic range. What does the
2: term organic mean? Well, it, it, Are you about to tell me this?
1: Yeah. Well or, organic it means it's carbon based. Okay. It's 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 carbon based and uh you know, as opposed to silicon
2: based, which would so be inorganic. Is, so it, do they do it this way because when you throw it out it doesn't become
1: No, no, they they do it because the organic materials when you when you put electricity through them, they'll come out with different colors. Oh, okay. So you're able to get a more uh, an array a a larger array of colors with these organic compounds. Okay. So it's an organic light emitting diode, and uh, you can get a wide range of colors, and it's just beautiful. But they're very expensive. Mm-hmm. They have got very strong dynamic range because when the LED is off, it's absolutely black, and the dynamic range is the bright, the comparison to the brightness, the, the the brightest color to the darkest color. So it's got very high dynamic range. On the other hand, if it's not organic LED, they call it, they call them LEDs, but really they're liquid crystal displays. And behind the liquid crystal display, they've got an LED illumination panel. So they call it LED, but really it's not an LED TV. It's a liquid crystal gotcha. display TV. Okay. So now what happens if you've got a liquid crystal display with the LED light in the background, if that liquid crystal turns black, still some light comes through because it's not perfectly black. So the dynamic range of a liquid crystal display is not as good as an organic LED. And so in order... T- to, they've got something called local dimming, where if you've got something where you want to actually have it black, they actually dynamically control the panel in the back and dim the LEDs right behind that black pixel, so that gives you more dynamic range with local dimming of the LED backplane. Interesting. That's a new feature, and that actually does make that gives you effectively much more dynamic range. And it's a cheap way to get something that's almost as good as an organic LED, because the organic LEDs might be twenty four hundred dollars, and the uh, and the liquid crystal display devices might be seven hundred dollars. So You're talking about a factor of three or four, and you know I'm not willing to pay that much. Now maybe in five years the organic LEDs. So you will don't be have
2: handy. you don't have an OLED yet. No,
1: I don't. I don't. But you do
2: have a four K TV, don't I've you? I've got a
1: four K TV. Yeah, but I, I don't knew have. knew it. O- I, d- I know it. I don't. I've got two 4K TVs, but
2: I don't have. So lo- that's an 8K TV.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't have local dimming, so I, well, I, I already have. You bi- have me bi- around. Bi- and rem- I'm pretty uh, dim. So now, uh, the next thing that you want to definitely have is upscaling, because you see, and you want to have a good upscaling algorithm, because most of the content you're looking at is is is, is, is 1080p. Which is 1080 progressive, thousand lines. Progressive means it just does thousand lines, and then comes to, does this thousand lines again. No, 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 uh, no interleaf. Just does them all sequentially. And um, the thing is, if you're displaying a 1080, uh, you know, an HD picture with, with thousand vertical thousand lines vertically, on a 4K TV, it has to convert the ten, the thousand lines to four thousand lines, and that's done with upscaling. And how the upscaling is done is very important. If you've got, if you've got a good upscaler, you can take a relative, you can take an old movie, and it can look dramatically better because it looks like a 4K TV. Interesting. Now, here's the thing. You go to the TV store. The salesman doesn't want to show you how it looks. They always show the TV with the highest resolution picture. So when you go to the store and pick out your TV, say, I want to look at a 1K picture through the 4K TV. I want to see how good the upscaling works. They don't want to do that in the showroom, and there's no way to really – you just have to see it to see whether it's good upscaling. So you want to check the upscaling, and you basically want to look at a 1K picture – on the 4K TV, and see how it looks.
2: So I was actually going to bring this up at the end of the discussion. Uh, our brains have, have changed with, with HDTV now. You go back and you watch a standard deaf program on an HDTV, and back in 1970, it looked great. But now I was like, how did we watch this? Now it looks but terrible. But so does upscaling help to fix this? Is it that- does.
1: Upscaling will make it look better. If you've, huh. got a, if you've got a good upscaling algorithm, you can make old material look much better. Interesting, because it actually fills in. It actually does some calculations and fills in, and makes it look better. It That's fills, crazy. It fills in the missing information because you know that you can kind of guess what's going to be in between two dots. It's going to be something similar to the one dot, and and they just and and so they can if they have very good upscaling algorithms, they can dramatically improve the content. And it's very hard to check that out unless you demand to see, to see it. a one K picture and the four K TV.
2: I'll be back. I'm heading to the big screen store.
1: Okay, and then the final one is, the final point that you want to check it, you want 120 hertz refresh rate. That'd be Refresh the screen 120 times a second. This means that if you've got any fast motion, like if you're doing sports or skiing or Olympics and people are moving quickly, you won't see any jumping. Okay. So if you're going to get a 4K TV, you want to really get the 120 hertz refresh rate instead of the 60. So I don't think it's worth getting organic LEDs yet. But you can get a 4K LED with high dynamic range, local dimming, good upscaling, and 120 uh, 120 hertz refresh rate, and that will give you a very good TV at a pretty good price. Yeah. So there you go. Everything you'd want to know That's about great. buying a 4K TV. All right. So now let's see. What are we? Steve gonna, Jobs. Let's talk about Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was an interesting guy. He um, he was very creative. And if you look at it, he didn't he didn't graduate from college and he tended to focus on different things in his life that looked apparently like non sequiturs, but in his life he collected the dots and made them all happen. Um a guy by the name of Walter Isaacson, remember he wrote a book on Steve on Steve Jobs. And he also, this was back right after Steve Jobs died. That was the only authorized bibliography. He wrote about Steve Jobs and interviewed him. Walter Isaacson also released a book on Leonardo da Vinci. And what is interesting, if you compare the two books, the Steve Jobs book and the Leonardo da Vinci book, you see a parallel between these two guys. They were both highly created. They both had the ability to marry art and science to create innovations, Steve Jobs once said the secret to Apple's success could be found in the intersection of technology and liberal arts. And, you know, if you look at the the original Macintosh, it was one of the best examples of this. The team that designed the Macintosh was made up of musicians, poets, artists, zoologists, historians, and they all also knew computer science. That's why it was so intuitive to use. It was intuitive to use if you were a musician or if you were an artist. I mean, it, it, uh, because they married the art of the application with the technology of the computer. Jobs was a genius at creating innovative products because he connected the dots from different fields. Now, according to Isaacson, Leonardo was insatiably curious. He would jump from pro- subject to subject. He was passionate about a subject. He'd follow his heart, not knowing where it would lead and where it would happen in the future. Jobs d- did similar things in his life. For example, when he was in college, he dropped out of college, and then he started auditing classes in calligraphy.
2: Yeah, I remember you telling... And this is yeah. why the Apple computer has all the different fonts. That's and, and right. This probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. He,
1: he didn't really know why he did He was just interested in calligraphy. Sure. And then he, then he connected calligraphy with... The future, when he, when he developed the, the computer, because he wanted to make his first computer with beautiful fonts and typography. So Jobs calls that connecting the dots. We also learn in Isaacson's book that Leonardo da Vinci was Steve Jobs' hero. In fact, Apple there's an Apple slide that shows two street signs intersecting at the corner of liberal arts and technology, and this was inspired by Leonardo da Vinci. Jobs saw that beauty could be seen in both art and in engineering. It was his ability to combine these two that made him a genius, writes Isaacson. So ideas are generated in physical, in, in, in physical places where people gather, of, with, with ga- diverse people gather and talk, and they sort of run across things serendipitously. That's why Steve Jobs liked to build a building with a central atrium. You look at the the way that the whole Apple spaceship is organized. It's organized so people have to run across each other and talk. Mm -hmm. He thinks these sort of these happenstance meetings where different people meet and talk actually all make a big difference. I mean, this is actually the key to innovation. You. You, you know, I mean, you know, so, you know, I was in 20 years of research physics, and I've got, you know, 13 or 14 patents, but every one of those patents was when I took a problem and looked at it through somebody else's eyes. And so when we would form teams, like we were working on artificial neural networks, we had a cognitive psychologist, a physicist, a statistician. We had all these different kind of people working on the teams together, and we found that in research the, the best way to get innovation... The best way to get new ideas, to get patents, to get products that you could get out the door was to have people with different backgrounds. So this works across the board. But Steve Jobs was a genius at doing this, which is why he was so good at this. According to a three-year Harvard research project, the number one skill that separates innovators from non-creative professionals is the ability to associate The ability to connect seemingly unrelated questions, relate unrelated problems, relate unrelated ideas from different fields and apply them to the problem at hand. So entrepreneurs that can break out of this comfort zone and pursue this tiny object and that tiny object are the ones that come up with the ideas. So Steve Jobs had this saying. He said, If it makes your heart sing... A creative spark might be in your future. Interesting. Really, it's really inspiring to think about. And he, and he died at such a young age yeah. and did so much. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalkstratford.edu and we'll get back to you immediately or certainly at the next show. And make certain you go to the Stratford University website and check out the programs. Some you heard about them on Tech Talk Radio.